In a world of podcasts about movies, sci-fi, TV, and podcasts about sci-fi, TV, and movies, two women chose to add their voices to the fray. Two sisters. One woman was willing to go to any length to explain away plot holes and bad pacing. I don't think, first of all, much like the entirety of this film, I don't think we're supposed to ask a lot of questions. The other, though, had no such sympathies. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. Together, they joined forces to highlight the good, the bad, and the truly bizarre. This is See You Next Week in Space. Hello, everyone, and welcome to See You Next Week in Space. My name is Sarah Walsh, and I'm here with my co-host and sister, Amy Walsh. Um, And usually I either have a bit or like an opening salvo to start uh, the show. But I got to tell you, I, I really couldn't come up with anything. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say that was such a straight man <laughs> and, uh, intro. I was very, I was waiting for like the drop <laughs> <laughs> for me to just like have like a soundboard that was like boing. Yeah, um, I was waiting for like some type of sound effect. Um, yeah, I was really trying to think about like was there something funny that happened in this or just like a weird no uh, something weird. I mean, various weird things happened, but. Um, none of them were like good hooks. Not like notably weird. <laughs> yeah, like it was just all like in. It was just like a sort of like blendable weird. Yeah, and we'll get into it in a second. But I thought then, lacking that and carrying on from the conversation we were just having before we started recording, I mean we're now kind of like you're hearing this beyond the pandemic anniversary, but we're recording kind of like, um at the year mark of when the world officially closed last year. Yeah. Um, so I guess I was just going to ask you if you had any reflections. You did just say people were overrated and you maybe never needed to interact <laughs> in the world again. Um, you know, for the world, <laughs> I will say this, like for the world of introverts, which I identify as and with, Um, it's been, you know, I struggle to say it's been a good year because that's just not accurate, but it's been an okay year for me (laughs) in terms of uh, my comfort level at being in isolation. (laughs) I obviously do not wish any of the, you know, illness and death that happened this year on anybody, of course not, but my personal isolation has not bothered me. (laughs) So yeah, my reflection is like, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be hard for me personally to like get back in the swing of a, I had a totally different paced life over a year ago than what my life is now. And it's really going to be a struggle (laughs) if I have to go back to that. Um, And I like rue the day that I have to go back to it. So um, 
I, I, I have concerns about the end of the pandemic. I'm not going to lie. And I know that sounds very tasteless, but it's not based on any of that. It's just my own personal problems. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that you're right that on the one hand, people who would identify themselves as um, introverts or homebodies or quiet types or whatever, like, version or variation of that that you want to use. Um, Mm -hmm. In many ways, people of that persuasion maybe even feel that they've thrived in certain ways, right? Um, Mm -hmm. and, And always with the, like, little asterisk caveat, like, if they were lucky enough to remain healthy, if they were lucky enough to have yeah. their families remain healthy, like those, and those are big yeah. ifs in a lot of cases. Yeah. So, um, and I think there's something to be said for some of the kind of, um, what began is just like kind of temporary fixes to things. Um, mm-hmm. I think there is something to be said for looking at some of those and being like, why now maybe we just always do this. Um, because yeah. why do I ever have to go back to the office? <laughs> I've done it this way for over a year. Nothing has happened. I've, I mean, nothing bad has happened. I've, everything has gotten done that needed to get done. Guess what guys never coming back to the office. <laughs> right. I mean, I'm someone who I would say, um, first of all, I don't like the whole kind of like development that has happened around the words introvert and extrovert, um, in our age bracket, uh, I feel like most people are uh, on a spectrum of those things um, and might True. be extroverted in some ways and introverted in others. Um, yeah. I am someone who very much likes to interact with others um, and benefits mm-hmm. from being out in public, but I also have always been someone who enjoys my solitude and knows how to spend a whole Saturday alone doing nothing and enjoys that. <laughs> You know, um, yeah. So I, you know what, I question people who don't know how to do that, and that's <laughs> judgmental, perhaps. But like, I, I really, one of the people is my husband, but like, it, <laughs> he struggles to do nothing. Like that is yeah. definitely, uh, and it is, it is wild. But does because it's my greatest joy? Does Isaac even know how much there is? on all the different streaming platforms? Yeah, of course. But, like, yes. And, okay, there's de- we've definitely done days of nothing. Don't get me wrong. But he is someone who likes a project and he likes a thing and he likes to have, you know, a goal or thing to finish by the end of the day. Or, sure. You know, he's always doing, like, something. Even if it's not, like something monumental, it's, like, always a little bit of something. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, my kind of feeling about, like, my day-to-day life in the pandemic is similar to yours, which is, like, it's mostly been fine. Um, And because I'm an academic, I already did a kind of thing where, like, some days I would come to the office because there were reasons to do that. And some days Mm -hmm. I would work from home and because that was possible and there was no, like... Mm -hmm kind of boss waiting around being like, why aren't you in the office every day from eight 30 on the dot to five in the afternoon? You know, like, and you can only have lunch mm-hmm. for 30 minutes. Like, um, 
So I would the more you the more you say worky words, <laughs> it's really disgusting. Uh, so you know, like, but what I also learned, um, which I guess I kind of knew intuitively, but now I know for real, uh, I need like the routine of going to an office at least some days of the week. Uh, it sure it really does make me feel better. It really does improve my productivity. Um, and mm-hmm. I also prefer teaching face-to-face rather than that makes sense. over Zoom. So, yeah. you know, like, so I think there's something to be said for like taking some, like, but on the other hand, I'm like, but I think all meetings could be on Zoom so that then people ah. like, the reason I say that is because... So they could go on mute? So you could mute some people? <laughs> well, like, yes. Or you could do work while you're also, quote unquote, at a meeting. Yep. Also, for people who, for whatever reason, might feel like the only reason they have to come into the office is for this one hour meeting today. You know, like... Yep. And, but I'm going to spend... 100,000%. I have to spend two hours commuting to get to the stupid meeting. You know, like that sort of thing. Yep. Um, so... Well, and that's a bit, you just said the word commute and that's a huge thing for me because not that anyone gives a rat's ass about my commute, but living in a city, um, not having to commute to the office has literally given me back two hours right. of my life right. that I can do with what I please. And while what the things that I please may not be productive, <laughs> you know, like I get, I can sleep in a little bit more in the right. morning. I can like go on a leisurely walk in the morning. I can whatever I can at 5 PM. I'm done. I'm home. I'm ready to go. I don't, you know, right. so that's a big like quality of life thing for me that I would <sighs> very much miss. So I guess to conclude this brief reflection on a year and the <laughs> pandemic, all we can say is, for, luckily for us, it has not been the worst, um, but we look forward to some of these things being over as soon as they possibly can. Yes. So. Yes. Let us now turn to today's subject, um, which I'm really trying to like figure out a way to connect it to anything, but I like I can't really. Um, we, I got uh, nothing, so don't. So wh- let's just like act as though I said some sort of good transitional phrase. Amy, why don't you tell us what we're talking about uh, this week? So in that we have gone through a year of the pandemic and we're heading into a new world. Ah. <laughs> I don't know, really bad. Anyway, <laughs> we watched uh, an episode uh, of the show Brave New World. Um, we watched the episode called Swallow, which I actually, now that I'm saying it out loud, have no idea why this episode was called that. I um, th- I think I know why, but you have to, we have okay. to get to the end. Okay, okay. Um, and this show came out in 2020 or started airing. Uh, it's it, I watched it on Peacock. Yeah. I don't know if it's an, just a regular NBC show or specific to Peacock. I'm not sure. I, I um, think it's being called a Peacock original, but I don't, since I don't have regular okay. real cable, I don't know if it's like it was also coming out yeah. on that. Okay. And as you indicated here, it's already been canceled and no offense, but I understand why. Um, <laughs> and the particular episode we watched was from July of 2020 and that's what I got. Yeah. 
I mean, starting with the cancellation, like, so this is Swallow. I also watched the pilot episode of this to try and make sure I sort of understood some general principles about this world. I probably should have done that, too, but I had no desire. (laughs) That's fine. Um, Like... I I guess how I would say this is I see potential in this show. And when I was Googling around, some people seemed like they thought it was like canceled too soon, like that it built up Mm. to something and indicated it was like on a good track, but ultimately got canceled. And um, that happens a lot. But I also wonder if this might be a COVID casualty as well like oh yeah possibly uh that because like do you i mean that's also worthwhile in terms of like thinking about trying to like remember what is happening like july was not a good time um no well like and if this is episode if this was episode four that means i don't know if this came out um like in succession again i don't know if this is regular like cable or it's like all the episodes dropped on the same day but i can't okay Okay, well, it, well, so imagining that it did. Yeah, it all coming out in July. People were not sitting around watching fluff. People, no. And not that this is fluff, but, like, people... There was other things happening. Yeah, it was a heavy month and probably not the best time for, like, sci-fi dramas yeah. to, like, really take off. I mean, because, like, there was the first like, let's say eight weeks of the pandemic where everyone was like a captive in their home and Tiger King like became the big Mm -hmm. thing. But then this hits like as the BLM stuff is coming through and also as people are starting to be like, fuck staying in my house. I can't, I won't. I'm going outside. Yeah, exactly. Um, It's summertime. Screw you all telling me what to do. Right. So I, I wonder if that was at least some That's a good amount point. of a contributing factor. Plus also, so like maybe you're not getting the numbers you want of viewership, but also depending on what their like shooting schedule was, that probably got all mm. fucked up. Um, and it was like, oh, definitely. you know, like whatever we were going to do, we're not doing that anymore, you know? Um, Absolutely. So I imagine that some of those things perhaps contributed to why this was canceled so quickly, particularly because like with streaming shows, when they're like those originals of all the different streaming networks, I, I'm like, usually mm-hmm. they try and give them like a solid, you know, like two season, 10 two season. episode try before they do yeah. that. But who's to say? Um, so this is actually based on a book of the same name, Brave New World, by English author Aldous Huxley that was published in 1932. Um, it's considered mm. one of the kind of like major classics of the kind of golden era uh, or early golden era of science fiction. Um, now, do you think really quick, do you think that's a book that I would, would have or should have known about? Um, I don't think anyone should know about anything. I would have, I wouldn't be surprised, I guess, if you had known about it. Um, but I also wouldn't be surprised if you hadn't known about it. Okay. Well, cause I will tell you a quick story okay. <laughs> of how, of how mom shamed me for not knowing it <laughs> and was like, 
and was like, you better not go on the podcast and say you didn't hear of that. People will think things. And I was like, everybody knows I I am dumb. That's not like, no, I don't know things. true. You're not but dumb, I don't know. But, but the whole premise of the show is that you don't know anything about science fiction and you don't like it. How are we going to have any jokes? Correct. If you... If Correct. If I was just like, this is great. <laughs> yeah. No, the, <laughs> but she was like, she's like, no, you better learn it. You got, you better say that you know it. And I was like, well, what's the point of that? That's not, she was all upset that I didn't, I never heard of it as if that was something like I should have read in school. And I really don't think that I did. I mean, the only reason I'm a little like scotch surprised that even just the t- the title didn't ring any bells for you is because it is one of those books that oftentimes like you run across in high school or college um because it is a it's a classic one um yeah and you- but I didn't like it in college anyway I didn't take normal person classes <laughs> and in high school I feel like we didn't read a lot of science fiction-y things. Probably not. I don't know. I mean, it's not, like I said, anyway. it doesn't bother me one way or another if you didn't <laughs> know it. Um, I was like, Sarah's going to teach me about it anyway. Who cares? Like, yeah. Um, I am mildly interested in reading it, but I fear that I would find it boring. So I'm, I, I can't uh. even say that I've read it, but I did... Read the Wikipedia page about it. Um, okay, that, that sounds more up my alley. <laughs> I mean, and in terms of, like, what is useful, I think, about to kind of know here, is that, so Huxley was at least mildly inspired to write Brave New World after taking a trip trip to the United States. Um, mm-hmm. Presumably sometime maybe in the, like, late 20s, early 30s. And at that time, he felt like kind of the defining features of American culture were kind of fast-growing technology, a real um, kind of youth-oriented and youth-adoring culture, Um, Mm -hmm. something that I can't... I think this is a direct quote from Wikipedia, something called commercial cheeriness. Um, I love that. Uh, as well as kind of uh, promiscuity. Uh, so this is like kind of of American culture, generally speaking. And I and I would mm. say I agree with those things both then as now. Um, yeah. Particularly like to me when I hear the phrase commercial cheeriness, I don't only think about like the advertising game. I also think, which of course is very cheery still. Um, but I mm-hmm. also think about the kind of like, general set point of most Americans I would describe as aggressively positive um in public forums it's considered rude to be like not happy right you know right or or at the best you can just be maybe you can be neutral sometimes like but you can't you can't look actively displeased upset um yeah and you and even neutral like if you were just neutral all the time interacting in the world people would be like what's your problem like yeah because that's where I mean I feel like that's where the phrase the resting bitch face comes from (laughs) is people that just like their resting face is like not a smile so people are like what's wrong with you right and I mean (laughs) like it's also funny because I've lived in other countries like 
in America, if you're like go at any like cash register in the country, the person will be like, so how are you doing today? And your answer is great. Oh, that's great. Me too. Great, great, great. We're all great. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you do that <laughs> same interaction in other parts of the world, people will be like, yeah, pretty rough day today. And you're like, oh, okay. Oh, interesting. <laughs> you know, like, oh, I thought, uh, I thought you were going to say like that they'd be like, oh, hurry up. Just give me your money. I don't actually care. Well, sometimes that too. Um, but it's, <laughs> it's much more like you don't have to do this front of like, I'm feeling great all the time. Mm. Um, whatever. Uh, the other thing That's interesting. that Huxley noticed on this trip was a very kind of um, intense cultural isolationism on the part of most Americans and other words like hmm. I mean and this is I think my actual expertise in history I think is useful here in terms of contextualizing what I think he meant here which is like mm-hmm. in the late 20s and early 30s things in Europe are going supremely badly um, mm-hmm. and eventually that becomes true in the US as well and not just because of the Great Depression Um, but also because of the rise of fascism in Europe, right? So we see Mm -hmm. Hitler emerges in this period of time, Mussolini emerges Mm -hmm. in this period of time, kind of smaller style fascists emerge in other parts of Europe. Smaller style. Um, Mm -hmm. And Americans didn't care at all about what was happening in Europe. Um, Mm. and, and this is also because like the British empire is still like the world superpower at this time. So people in the UK, people like Huxley in particular, cause he's an educated guy. Um, he's like, how do you not know like what's happening in the world and how could you be so actively dismissive of the, the kind of growing problems in Europe? Um, and how could you be so myopic as to think that the depression is only affecting you, you know, um, mm. which unfortunately I'm going to say America has not recovered from this kind of thinking. <laughs> um, no, we, we actually now have this interesting combination of being very, um, self-focused while also being this superpower who has to, so like engage with the world at large. Mm-hmm. Um, so, mm-hmm. so that to me feels like a critique or a, an investigation that is interesting as a starting point. Um, but again, mm-hmm. I don't know that this show does a good job of like getting there, at least not in the things yeah. I saw. Um, in terms of like some general understanding of where we are in time and what's going on, um, the and I'm pretty sure this is the book, but I think this is also true of the show. It's set in approximately 2540, so about 500 years okay. from now. Okay. Um, and in terms of the show, and this is where I'm not sure how, how much the show might deviate from the book, the show says that there are three rules that define the society that we're looking at, which is that there's no privacy, there's no family, and there's no monogamy. And these three rules are paramount and Whoa. sacrosanct, and you really need to abide by them. Um, this is, all, I'm also remembering. Uh, that, wait, do you have. I don't like a lot. Of, I don't like, no, I just was saying I don't like those rules that much. 
Um, I mean, the thing is... The no privacy one is the worst one for me. Yeah. Which sounds mean to say to someone who's in my family. I guess the no no, family one's pretty bad, too. I agree with you. I was like, the one that makes me the most unhappy is no privacy. (laughs) Yeah, that really, that's like, that's the most upsetting to me. Um, I also was just remembering that uh, this book somewhat loosely inspired aspects of... um, Demolition Man. That's that we've talked about. Oh, really? Yeah. So, like, uh, Sharon, not Sharon, uh, Sandra Bullock's character is called Lamina. The main character here is Lamina oh. as well. Um, some of the things about, like, we don't really see this in this episode, but they have these things where they like learn stuff while they're sleeping, which they also had in Demolition mm. Man and things. Um, so some of that got incorporated into Demolition Man, but Demolition Man is not like an attempt at doing Brave New World, just so we mm, Okay. Know. Um, and I mean, I guess I can see the connection between these rules and this kind of social critique that, um, Huxley was making because we can kind of, uh, the no monogamy thing seems fairly clear in terms of like promiscuity. Um, mm-hmm. and then if you have no monogamy, then you can't really have family in quite the same way that we imagine it now. Yeah. Um, so that, I guess, hangs together in a sense, but the no privacy thing is definitely the kind of like really bridge, upsetting <laughs> bridge too far for me. Cause there is an, I think yeah. it's in the first episode, um, one of the characters literally is on the toilet when he gets a phone call and phone calls of the future, of course, are all video calls and he like has to take it. Yeah, no, I don't like I, it. No, no, I hate that. Like to, and to feel like you never have a moment where someone like couldn't drop in. Right. Like that's my literal nightmare. Right. And, and the way that is achieved in this uh, world is by having those like optic connecting things. So like you connect yeah. to the internet basically, or like the cloud, um, through like this, it looks like a little contact, but then it's got like a funny little like fiber type cable that's supposed to go into your, um, iris, I presume. And then somehow then you're like connected to all the stuff. Um, and that's the kind of primary, like, I guess you could say set of piece of hardware that you need for this no privacy thing to exist. Um, mm-hmm. So now let's talk briefly about the cast. And it only needs to be briefly because this episode only touched on a few of the main characters and um, none of whom were really in much of anything as far as I yeah. can tell. I didn't recognize anybody. Uh, no, it turned out I I had seen the actor who plays Lenina, um, but other than that, I had really never seen any of these people before. Um, mm. So the first uh, character listed on IMDb as a member of this cast is a character referred to as John the Savage, um, and we'll explain when we get to it why he's called that. Um, and that's played by an actor named Alden Ehrenreich, who was 31 when this came out. Uh, mm-hmm. He appears to be someone who got into acting because he was a rich kid in Hollywood. 
Um, oh, what a sweet story. I know. He was, um, <laughs> quote unquote, discovered by Steven Spielberg because um, Aaron Reich was attending Spielberg's daughter's bar mitzvah or bat mitzvah, I should say. Um, and God I knows. Try, I try really, I try really hard not to be bitter about things <laughs> like that because it's not a good look and I recognize that, but that makes me mad. I know. I <laughs> not know. that I, not that I was like ever trying to be a Hollywood actor or anything, but like for some reason that feels frustrating. Yes. Um, and look, I'm not saying he's a bad actor or a good actor. I don't think I've seen enough of him to decide one way or another. Yeah. And I don't think that being rich means you can't be a good actor. But sure. I think what is frustrating is that, as particularly in the United States, the system is so stacked against you that, like, you could be this awesome artist or scientist or whatever, but we'll never know because you never get any of the opportunities that some dipshit yep. who just happened to be born into a privileged family gets, you know? Um, Correct. And, and you can go to, and it's also, they tell you all types of, <laughs> I could really go off on a tangent, but they sell you all types of things. Like if you go to school and get this type of degree and you work hard and this and that, you will achieve this thing. And like, not to sound super dark, but that's not how it works, unfortunately. And it's, you know, little Mr. Rich Boy at a bar mitzvah, you know, he gets, <laughs> he knows Steven Spielberg and you having gone to a four-year college where you get a BFA in like dramatic theater, right. you know, he might not have seen you. Like, right. so. Right. Um, the only thing that, well, I'm, and I don't mean to minimize this, this guy's main credit up to now is that he did play Han Solo in the recent Star Wars um, story about Han Solo called Solo. Um, mm. so he's, was that well received or not? I don't I know much about that. I honestly don't know. Uh, truth mm. be told, and I'm not sure I've said it on the show, but it's probably worth saying. Um, I am one of those science fiction people who a bit looks down on star Wars things and fans. Ooh, shots fired. Yeah. Um, and fans and the fans you look down on. <laughs> well, fans, if they are only or exclusively just star Wars fans, then yes. Okay. Um, if you, if that's, if that's like part of a whole series of different things that you like, uh, then that's fine, I guess. It, I like, cause I, I like, guess I, un I don't want to be a bitch about people's preferences. Like, you know, like <laughs> preferences are just preferences. Um, yeah, but yeah, I do kind of feel like if star Wars is what your kind of like bar is, then you and I have a very different kind of set of expectations about what we want from our science fiction. I'll say it that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I have not seen that one and I don't have any particular interest in seeing it. Um, so I, I can't speak to whether it was good or even whether he was good in it or not. Um, <laughs> next we have a character named Lenina Crown who is played by an actor named Jessica Brown Finley, who is also 31 um, and as is often the case when it comes to, uh, female actresses that we've spoken about, uh, she started out in ballet, 
Um, mm. But an ankle injury basically ended that potential career pursuit. Mm. Um, so she switched to acting. Um, and this is how I ended up recognizing her is that she was in that episode of black mirror that also has that famous, uh, black actor from get out where he was like holding a piece of glass to in the black mirror episode, he's holding a piece of glass to his throat and like being all edgy. I'm not sure if you ever saw Mm, that episode. It, it rings a bell, but I can't totally place what that episode is but I, I'm, I'm sure I must have seen it yeah so that's how I recognized her she's also mm. it looked like she was a kind of series regular in some of the later seasons of Downton Abbey um, okay. and she did some voice work for a show called Castlevania that I watched like a couple episodes of um, Castlevania okay is that like Witch's Court <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually kinda uh, wow! It, it involves because it sounded like Transylvania. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was gonna say it sounds like Transylvania, and I, I know vampires aren't witches, but yeah. still, it kind well, of. Well, but there are witches in that story, and like one of them gets burnt at the stake by, and that's kind Ooh. of witches' court. E, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would say probably witches' court might end in a lot of burned at the stake situations. It depends on what era we set witches' court in. That's true. Um, the next character is a character called Bernard Marx, who is played by an actor named Harry Lloyd, who was 37 when this um, aired. He is the great, mm-hmm. great, great grandson of Charles Dickens. Um, okay. Which is to say his his credits are not super impressive um he was which is to say that's how that's how he's known that's his main claim to fame at the moment um he he has appeared in a couple episodes of doctor who um okay he w- he played will scarlet in uh, a bbc robin hood series from the early 2000s hmm. that i know i watched at least some seasons of um he also appeared in some episodes of game of thrones um, but so far I didn't see anything that was like a super breakout thing for him. Um, mm-hmm. the next character we need to know is one called Henry Foster, who's played by an actor named Sen Mitsuji, who was 33 when this was released. Um, he is, uh, an Australian actor of Japanese heritage. Um, mm-hmm. and as you can probably imagine because he's like supposed to be like the most handsome guy um in this world that we see and so um from Mm -hmm. that uh, he he started out as a model in sydney okay and from there uh and only recently i would say it appears from his credits turned to acting um because Hmm. his his oldest credits are from 2018 Um, oh wow and he only has four credits in total um, hmm. so he, this has been a fairly recent, uh, changeover for him. And he also appeared in at least some episodes of Man in the High Castle, which we've talked about as oh, well. Oh, yeah. Um, the final person we need to discuss is one that doesn't even really have a name. He's just called the director. And that's played by an actor named Ed Stoppard, who was 46. Um... And he probably has, the, like, 
the most credits, but the least notable of anybody, just because he's older, so he's been around a bit longer. Um, okay. But he did appear in something called The Little Vampire. Ooh, that sounds interesting. I don't... I fear that it's about, like, a child vampire. Um, Why would you fear that? That sounds great. Because every time I've seen vampire children depicted in, on screen... It's really upsetting. <laughs> like, really? Yeah. Like, did you ever see Interview with a Vampire? And Kirsten Dunst plays a vampiress who is a child in oh. a child's body, but is like a billion years old or something. Well, to be honest, I haven't, which sounds crazy because I know it's like a big deal. But um, I know of it. I've seen like the famous scenes because did she not? I thought didn't she win like an Oscar for that or something? I don't know if she won an Oscar. She might have gotten nominated. I mean, she does do an excellent job in the role, but it's mm-hmm. also extremely disturbing. Oh, okay. in my opinion. <laughs> Fair enough. I believe it. Because like either I'm thinking it's called the Little Vampire and it's about a child vampire, which I don't. As I said, I find that whole concept disturbing to me or is it about a little person who is a vampire and then is it exploitative in some way mm. i don't know i do, yeah i fear neither of those are great options i fear what it could be um and then this guy also appeared in an episode of the crown um but that's basically it like uh, in terms of things that we would have heard of that he was in mm-hmm. um which and we've not not even heard of the little vampire, so yeah. So you know, um, okay. So let's now turn to this episode itself, and this is episode four of I think a total of nine. So we've like some story precedes this, and some follows afterwards. So this is kind of like middle of the road because as is typical when we're doing our uh, podcasts about. TV episodes. I don't always like to do the pod or the pilot of something because it's like, yeah, we can't do everything that's just like exposition setup because it's just like this is very boring. Um, yeah. Although this show was pretty boring anyway, even though it wasn't <laughs> exposition. It really was. Um, I gotta say, it really, really was. So, and I wonder if in part that's because the point, like the point of this world that is being depicted part of the point I think is to be kind of dull. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess. Well, you know, another thing that I guess we can get into like when we're talking about it, but it doesn't really, it's not really anything specific to do with the story. But another thing that I noticed, we talked about this, I feel like a little bit, I'm not sure what episode, but in the future, the, there is a real loss of this individualism. Like they all have to wear the same outfit and whatever, like that costume. And we talk about this, I guess, so we don't need to go into it again, but it is, there's always a weird uniform people are wearing in the future. And (laughs) I got to say, that is not something I look forward to if that's true. Yeah. I mean, again, and again, we have talked about this is like kind of individualism (laughs) versus conformity. Right. And that this is like, a major fear that is explored in science fiction over and over and over again and in different ways and to different degrees and whatever. Um, And I, 
like, again, not having read Brave New World, but, like, surmising kind of based on what Huxley felt like he was critiquing about the United States, um, you know, I think it's, like, fair to say that American culture perceives itself as being very dynamic and interesting when, in fact, it is really puritanical, very straightforward, pretty conservative, and from that, quite dull in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, And so this is an imagining of, like, if we took some of these elements to their extreme, like, what would happen, right? Yeah. Um, But intriguingly, what Huxley does, and this show does as well, is, like, he imagines that in the United Kingdom rather than in the U.S. itself. Um, Mm -hmm. So there's probably something in Huxley's work, too, about, like, kind of a forewarning about letting the U.S. like, have two powerful a relationship with the United Kingdom, but I don't know, I I don't know that that's true. But Mm -hmm. in terms of where we begin this story, we are in a room where John the Savage is standing over a body that's in a sheet, and um, what we are hearing are the voices of Bernard, who is basically like John's um, minder, like, a uh, person mm-hmm. who's responsible for watching him. Uh, and this person named Mustafa Mond, who seems like like they don't have religion anymore in this future, but Mustafa Mond seems to be what I would call some sort of spiritual leader by the way she yeah. talks, but religion is also gone in this future as well. Yeah. Um don't hate that but yep no i mean the problem is is like i would love it if we didn't have religions anymore but not so that we can get to this future that yeah no this future doesn't seem great i mean i'm not saying i want this future i'm just saying that one piece of it i don't hate um and what they're talking about is like john the person that john is standing over is actually the dead body of his mother who died in Mm -hmm. the previous episode who is played by demi moore Mm -hmm. actually um really yeah interesting yeah when i watched the pilot i was like yeah what (laughs) damn she was like i got Uh, nothing to do just sure whatever um but so they're talking and we're watching john as they're talking about him and to bernard and mustafa um john's emotional reaction to the loss of his mother is completely foreign and alien to them because there is no family in there they Mm -hmm. actually think to have a mother is, like, obscene and disgusting. Um, <laughs> to, like, know who is the body that hosted you. <laughs> like, Ew, um, that's a gross way to put it. I mean, when you think of it that way, I guess it is gross. <laughs> um, and so that's... Did you hear that, Mom? <laughs> I know. Um, so that just the concept of that is gross to them. But then on top of it, they, that's funny. they don't like the emotional display that John is making mm. either. So it's like a double whammy situation. Mm-hmm. And Mustafa then is explaining to Bernard that y- you are like in charge of this guy and you need to help him adjust to our city, which is called New London. Um, and Real original name. Yep. Uh, 
And the reason that John and his now deceased mother have arrived in New London is because uh, John is from a place called the Savage Lands, which Mm. in this world, the United States is now known as the Savage Lands. Fair enough. (laughs) Um, And this was, and I only know this because I did watch the pilot episode. So like all the, the world that we're seeing, New London is in the UK and the Savage Lands is the United States, but it is specifically this weird amusement park where people from New London go to watch Americans be disgusting. Um, That's funny. Like a zoo. So like, uh, it at this like they show a commercial for Savage Lands and it's got. Um, I feel like that's how people from the UK think of Americans now. Yeah, it's not far <laughs> off. Um, so like when you go to the Savage Lands, you get to see like I forget how they talk about it, but they're like the the craziness of a of a religious ceremony, and it shows a man and woman getting married, and then the woman like turns in profile, and you see her big pregnant belly, and that's also part of the thing that's supposed to be gross and like fascinating. Um, mm. And then of course also it's like and the crazy like lack of resources and violence, and then it shows like people in a grocery store shooting at each other trying to get like one oh God. thing of marshmallow puffs or something, you know, like stuff like that. Um, yeah. So John and his it's mother. A little too real. <laughs> I know. So John and his mother are people who live in the Savage Lands, and around the Savage Lands is this big, like, electrified fence barrier thing. And mm-hmm. while the people from New London can cross back and forth, the people from the Savage Lands can't. And so mm-hmm. in a previous episode, John and his mother actually crossed the barrier, which indicates to and Bernard is there for a different reason so he's in the savage lands and he sees this happen and so ultimately um building up to this John and his mother have been brought to New London because they're like if you cross the barrier then you're not actually meant to be in the savage lands something else is going mm-hmm. on we need to bring you back to New London so that's how this all mm-hmm. has like what brings us up to this opening scene here mm-hmm. um which I know that you would not have understood if you hadn't seen the pilot. No. <laughs> um, no, I was just like, okay, they think he's weird, cool, whatever. So basically Mustafa is like, this is going to be a real learning curve for John, and I'm putting you, Bernard, in charge of getting him acclimated because he belongs here because he got out of the Savage Lands. So he must mm-hmm. belong here. Um, mm-hmm. So Bernard then takes... Uh, John out of this like kind of I guess funeral home or something and they're out on the street of New London and everyone is staring at him because um, as I mentioned before everyone in this world of New London has this like optic connector thing in their eye Mm -hmm. that hooks them up to like a big big like I don't know it's like the cloud plus social media mixed Mm -hmm. together almost um Mm -hmm. because like through this optic connector when you're looking at someone you can also see in your eye identifying information of who that person is um oh wow and also we uh this society has been broken into 
humans have gradations of goodness. And so when you have your optic connector in and you look at someone, not only can you see like their name is whatever, you can also see which grade they've received. Hmm. Um, and, and there are corresponding like ways you treat someone who's gotten whatever grade, right? Um, yeah. And this is all to do with that issue of pri- no privacy, like we talked about before. Yeah. Um, so people are actually afraid of John because... They look when they scan his face, their implant is not telling them information about him. Mm. And so the idea that someone could have um, anonymity, uh, which is not really quite the same as privacy, uh, that is really disturbing to people in this society. Mm. So then uh, Bernard kind of shuffles John into an elevator and. Um, because, like, also, this I wasn't able to fully understand. Um, like, they're in a building, but then the building looks like there are parts that are, like, offices, and there are parts that are apartments, and then there are parts that look like they're, like, plazas or streets. And I'm like, so are you ever outside? I don't know. Um, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't make heads or tails of, like, the environment they were in so much. Yeah. Um, but anyway, John and Bernard are going up. I think they're meant to be going up to Bernard's office. And mm-hmm. John is deeply afraid because he's never been in an elevator before. Um, and then to ease his anxiety, Bernard offers John this little like pill called a Soma. And this I also learned about from the pilot episode. Soma comes in different gradations of colors and Mm -hmm. the color indicates the strength of the soma and basically these are drugs that make you not worried love that about anything i give me some so like one of the things i mean that sounds nice amy (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but in this like it's not the same as like an anti-anxiety medication that you're prescribed by a doctor these are things that like in this society having emotions that are not like in line with what is deemed socially acceptable those need to mm. be removed um yeah and so like a common question in this world like when people say something like i'm feeling you know, upset by this, or I keep thinking about this issue and I don't, you know, whatever, anything kind of negative. Um, the response first, the first is how are your levels? That's a question that gets asked repeatedly in this world. Um, and then regardless of your answer to that question, the person near you is like, here, take a Soma. Um, so like everyone has Soma, there's no doctor prescribing these things. Um, and it's understood that if there is something like that is perturbing you in any way, the response is to take this drug, um, to kind of push it down, whatever. Um, and in John's case, he refuses to take this Soma because, um, I mean, he, he's also decided he's going to do a silent treatment thing. So he doesn't say this, (laughs) but I presume like, cause Bernard is basically like, if you take this Soma one, you won't be 
freaking out about the elevator, but two, you won't be freaking about this gross dead mom thing that you're freaking out about. Like you won't feel any of that. And that's what you should be doing because now you're part of our society and that's what we expect, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Then we arrive uh, at Lenina's house and she is in bed watching ads uh, for Savage Lands 2, which is a new theme park in America, as I just described. Uh, her housemate, Franny, comes in because, again, when I say Lenina's in bed, there is no bedroom. There are no walls and there are no doors yeah. in this land because there's no privacy. So, like, right. Lenina's bed is in, like, this one part of the house. I In the episodes I watched, I didn't see where Franny's kind of, like, bed space was. Um, but she comes in and she says... You know, you seem unsettled, uh, distracted, not like you're supposed to. Again, And this is, again, where we have this question, like, what are your levels? How are your levels? And uh, Lenina is basically like, um, you know, I, I'm fine. Don't worry about it. And um, Franny then starts to, like, get into bed with her. And also try and have sex with her. Um, And it's very clear that this has happened before. um, Mm -hmm. Because again, like, while one of the things that might be good about this society is that there is very clearly um, no kind of stigma about who you have sex with, right? Like, Mm -hmm. do whatever you want. Uh, as far as I can tell, I don't even think there's such a thing as sexuality anymore to speak mm. of because hmm. you're not, you're not actually like, so this sounds kind of crazy f- to think about in this context, in this society, if someone indicates that they want to have sex with you, you should have sex with them because if you don't, that implies something's wrong. Ah, that seems a bit fishy to me, but okay. So basically, like, the idea that, like, sexuality is about your preferences for who you would engage in sexual behavior with, that doesn't even exist. Hmm. Like, someone... what I guess, in a sense, like, whatever makes people unique and whatever constitutes your, your identity doesn't exist in this culture. Because you're taking all of that away. Right. So, um, Hmm. yeah, I mean, like, again, it's like, I feel like it's great to just encourage people to, like, do whatever they want sexually as long as it's consensual. But I don't think that this is, like, solving the problem by basically saying sexuality no longer exists anymore. Yeah, yeah, it seems like there's some extra work that could be done there. Um, and needless to say, so Franny tries to comfort Lenina um, by making out with her. Lenina is like, really, I'm not interested. And that makes Franny uncomfortable. Um, mm. She doesn't understand it. Um, but ultimately, they do not engage in any kind of sexual activity. Uh, then we return to Bernard and John. We've now arrived in Bernard's office where he's showing John a video. Uh, 
um, that explains how this uh, like optic connecting device will connect mm-hmm. him to a system called Indra. And yep. Indra is the, I get, I mean, it's not totally clear to me, but let's say for the sake of simplicity, it's like an AI program that mm-hmm. organizes the entire social body of New London. Yikes. Yeah. That's a lot to take on for an AI. Yes, you would think so. Um, and the video, even the video itself, like this little clip, it's like, it has the feeling of, you know, when you watch those ads for like different kind of like pharmaceutical products and it's mm-hmm. like got these people and they're smiling real weird and like, try Zajana man. And, and then you've got like a image of like people riding horses, like someone hugging yep. their grandpa, you know, like it was, it had that feel to it, but it was all about explaining mm-hmm. how this connector is going to connect you to Indra and then Indra is going to like basically tell you all the things you need to know so that the society can like work properly. Um, at the same time, there is some other guy in Bernard's office. I never caught his name and I don't think it's really important because he is there. He's like the technician who is scanning John's eyeball so that they can make <laughs> the connector that he needs to go into his eye to be connected to Indra. Um, and once he's done this scan, uh, it's revealed that John is actually, um, at the top of the social ladder of this society, he is identified as an alpha. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. and now I just need to look at my handwritten notes for a second because I, I don't know if now is the time to explain this alpha thing. Oh no, we're about, we'll get there in a second, but anyway, For right now, both Bernard and this tech guy look at each other when this information is revealed and are extremely puzzled because the tech guy says, like, not only is he an alpha, which is like the top creme de la creme of this society, he is identified as an alpha exotic. So he's like a unique, uh, within unique kind of genetic material. Um, Mm -hmm. And they're like, but how could that be? He he was in the Savage Lands. Like, this just doesn't make sense. Um, regardless, John is just sitting there stony-faced and silent and not interested in what is going on. <laughs> um, and when they attempt to put the, like, um, interface into his eye, he slaps it out of their hand, says fuck off, and runs away. Um, love that. Yeah, I did too, especially because the tech guy was being so obnoxious. He was like, I'm now explaining to you. And I don't know why when we're like 520 years in the future, why people still are like, if you don't respond to me, I'm going to speak slowly and shout at you. And then you will (laughs) understand. Like, um, because that's what this guy is doing. He's like, hello, I am this thing that is scanning your eyeball will not hurt you. You know, like all this stuff. Yeah. Um, so then John runs off and then for most of the rest of the episode, he is like kind of having these weird encounters throughout, I guess this like one building that also is kind of, like I said, it's like a city street, but it's also a building and I don't totally get what it is. (laughs) Um, 
And meanwhile, uh, so, so yeah, let's just follow John on his various adventures. Um, he is basically trying, I guess what he's trying to do is find a way out of this building, but he's clearly as confused as we are about like, is this a building or is this, what is this? <laughs> Cause he's not able mm-hmm. to actually get out. And more importantly, like I just said, because he doesn't have his optic connector and because he's not being identified by the Indra system, everywhere he goes, people are staring at him and are really, really upset um, at his very presence um, because they're like, we don't know who this is. Um, And I think they already, there's like news that's been brewing in the community about a so-called savage coming from the savage lands. And so there's, I think they're also meant to, like, I think we're supposed to take away that like, they're afraid of him. Um, Mm -hmm. The way, Mm -hmm. the way you, like, it would be scary if like a tiger has got loose in New York city or something, you know? Um, that would be scary. I mean, part Although of me, awesome at the same time, I know maybe, but see like, that's a show I would watch. I don't maybe care about the little vampire, but I would like, uh, like Mr. Tiger man comes to New York. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I mean, there have been cases of like, this it was a it's illegal obviously but there have been cases of people who've had tigers in their new york city apartments and stuff like that um i'm sure it, i do not think i do not think it ended well i can't no, remember but i can't I, imagine it uh, would like what i'm picturing <laughs> is like an old style like disney cartoon where the tiger like walks on his hind legs and has like a cane and a top hat oh, and okay. like does business deals that I okay, would really so enjoy. you're thinking more cartoony, <laughs> more cartoony than like, uh, like, cor- like scientific or Correct. real. Correct, a hundred percent. Because real is just too scary. Yeah, that's more fun. Um, yeah. So, as John is trying to like find his way, I th- I have to assume that's what he's trying to do is find his way out of this place. Um, he ends up in this like cafeteria looking room. Um, and he sits down at an empty chair and he's sharing the table with another character who does matter to the story of the whole show, but doesn't matter to the story of this particular episode. Um, Mm -hmm. and when Jack or sorry, and when, um, John sits down, it's like he's with this one character, but he's all, but there are clones of that same character all sitting at the same table. Um, creepy. Yeah. It's a very weird situation. Um, and wait, why did I miss that? Oh, I'll get to that in a second. Um, so the other part of this that I didn't enjoy, and I think we talked about this when we talked about Demolition Man is, did you notice what food in the future looks like? Yeah, I did. And I hated it It, because it all, I mean, (laughs) The whole, it looks like prison, like it looks like a prison, whatever the whole, this whole, the whole vibe was very prison-y to me. Well, definitely Um, this cafeteria part, because also, um, these people down in this cafeteria are graded as epsilons, so they are the mm -hmm. lowest ones. Yeah, it, it did not look good, and it looked like, I'm not, like, I eat 
in case anyone cares. I eat generally everything. Like, I'm pretty non-picky about food. I like food a lot. Um, I have, There are very specific foods I find repulsive, and one of them is Jello. Yeah, and anything, And anything gelatinous like that that has that consistency makes me ill yeah (laughs) so the the just that just jello cubes basically is what it looked like yeah i I not even i mean the other part about it is like they were large like surprisingly large so you couldn't just get them down in like one bite and they were beige that too like it wasn't like even okay even if they were red I might be able to like choke it down I might be able to choke down like a cherry a cherry flavored but if that shit's like meat flavored (laughs) or like or just no flavor or yeah just like beige flavor whatever that is no effing thank you yeah and we watched something else too where the future food was disgusting and I forget what it was well that's like in Demolition um, Man they only have Taco Bell and then when they're well, Taco Bell, I could get on board with, <laughs> but but it isn't actually really Taco Bell because it's their food. I remember we talked about it. All their food was just little triangles of stuff. Oh yeah, and then I think also there was disgusting food in. Um, oh well, I guess it was because of the different classes, but in. Um, what was that train one? Oh, we watched? Snowpiercer. Yeah, when they had those like discs of Jello. Yeah, they also had a weird gelatinous thing. Do not like it. If that's what food becomes, I am going to say a bye bye <laughs> No, like, I don't like food that comes like pills like they had in Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. I don't food that's no. like jello packet. I, I want food Mm-mm. to have a consistency <laughs> that is I don't want, different. Hey, everyone, I don't that. want food for like sustenance and like refueling i want food for enjoyment so <laughs> that's just that's just me but like yeah agreed so i think now is a good time to also talk about what i just said so john is in this cafeteria and he's surrounded by these people these are the real jumpsuit people in this world everyone's mm-hmm. got the same they've got these clone thing type happening which i'm not totally sure about because i haven't seen enough of the show to fully speak to that But what is Mm -hmm. true is that all the people in this cafeteria are designated Epsilons. And so this then brings us into where Lenina works during the day, which is she works at a place called the Hatchery. Okay. Just from the name alone, what do you think is happening in this place? Are there growing people i am assuming yes yes because there is no family uh, and no monogamy again i don't know the full ins and outs of this because i didn't watch the rest of the show nor have i read the book but basically um you get like what you haven't read the book Ooh, I oh know. my god <laughs> uh thanks nance um <laughs> but like basically you get a fertilized embryo, maybe that happens through sex, I don't totally know, and then the embryo gets brought to the hatchery, and then the next step in the process is that the embryo has to be graded into these categories. And Hmm. there are, let's see here, 
one, two, three, four, five, six, nine different categories. The That's too many. Yes. The top category is alpha plus. Mm-hmm. And the bottom category is epsilon. And then there are gradations in between there. Um, and each embryo is tested to determine its um, particular category. And Lenina is having some second thoughts about her whole life. Um, and the reason she's having that is because she and Bernard went to the Savage Lands in a previous episode. And so she sees this like show of what the other side is supposed to be like. But I guess she also had some like mm-hmm. meaningful interactions that cause her to start wondering about her, her own life. Um, mm-hmm. So as a result of that, her job is like doing these designations. And so she marks one of the embryos she gets as undesignated and Mm -hmm. as soon as it leaves like so she's got this like micro what's the word microscope (laughs) oh man that was rough (laughs) (laughs) so she's got this like high high power microscope that she's like looking at each embryo and like doing a test to figure out what designation they get and this embryo comes Mm -hmm. through and she marks it as undesignated and as soon as it and they're all coming through on like a little conveyor belt and as soon as it leaves from under her microscope, a big, like, alarm blares. The whole conveyor belt stops. And everyone in the hatchery, like, looks up, like, what the fuck's what going the on? Heck? And yep. then the conveyor belt actually brings the undesignated embryo back to Lenina's workstation. And is basically, like, you have to say what this is. Um, and I think she eventually, I think she like does that. And then she like kind of runs out of her workstation feeling kind of flustered in some way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, then we return back to the cafeteria and the director of this whole building, or I don't know what he's the director of exactly, um, Mm -hmm. has figured out where John is. Because, of course, he has all the data from everybody else's optic connector, like, of what's mm-hmm. going on. So he's figured out where John is. And in a strange kind of, like, thing you're not expecting as the, as the viewer is he, mm-hmm. he says, like, hey, I can help you. I have a way to get you out of here. Come with me. And you're like, I don't know if I trust this guy. <laughs> and you certainly don't think John is, like, smart enough to make a good decision in this regard. Um, Then, rather than kind of like seeing what immediately happens to John and the director, we return back to Bernard's office, and Lenina has come from her upset in the hatchery to come to talk to Bernard because she and Bernard went to the Savage Lands together um, and had they each had intense experiences but in different ways. Um, And she's basically saying like I can't stop thinking about some of the things that happened um mm-hmm. and he's basically like take more soma uh mm-hmm. you've got to like um because of course I mean I agree with the general statement that obsessive thoughts are not good for us I agree with that but like <laughs> um but like be having like regrets or like thinking about previous actions 
I don't think is necessarily or inherently a problem, but in this society it is. And so he's like, you got to let all of that go. Um, and I should also say part of the issue or part of Lenina's storyline uh, is that at the start of the show, which is to say in the pilot episode, she and Henry are having what appears to be a monogamous relationship um Mm -hmm. and she gets and bernard disciplines her for that because it's not permitted um Mm -hmm. so anyway now we like we're getting a little more window into why lamanina is feeling a bit concerned about Mm -hmm. her life and her society um Mm -hmm. meanwhile Bernard then leaves Lenina and goes to the director's office because the director kind of chewed him out for losing John because John was supposed Mm -hmm. to be under his care. Um, Mm -hmm. But then he discovers, oh my gosh, the director is not in the office. And then what else does he discover when he gets to the director's office? Oh, um, I don't know. He also sees that he, I'm reading the no, your notes here. I know. He also sees that his his optic connection has been left behind. Right. So, what the heck's up with that? Well, right, because we know, like, the connector is the thing that makes you not have privacy. So, why does this director all of a sudden need How privacy? dare he take his privacy? Right. Oh, shit. And more to the point, when Bernard has, because um, he still has the one that's supposed to go into John's eye as well. Mm-hmm, so he picks mm-hmm. up the one that belongs to John, and he picks up the one that belongs to the director, and then using his own optic kind of like scanner boy, he holds them up together. And what does he realize? That he has it the same one as John's? Yes, they or match. Something. Yes, they match. So what does that mean? I don't know if I know what that means. Well, even we, like, at this point, we don't totally know what it means. Okay. But um, one of the, like, when John was getting his eye scanned and when the tech guy was saying, oh, he's got this special variety of, like, what's the word? Designation. He's this alpha exotic thing. Um, Yeah. Bernard was like, oh, well, you'll probably have to make, like, a custom thing for his eye. And then the tech guy's like, oh, no, we already have one on file. And you're like, huh, interesting, what? interesting. <laughs> um, but but we don't fully know yeah. what this means quite yet. Um, yeah. Then somehow we're in a place that looks like it's outside, and now we're with the director and John, and the director is saying... I am taking you to a safe place. I'm going to set it up so that you can go back to the Savage Lands where you belong. Um, And John is like, what are you talking about? Why would I want to go there? Um, And then, like, the director kind of relents and is like, okay, well, if you don't want to go there, um, I can just send you to uh, the American continent. And in fact, you can live outside of the barrier around Mm -hmm. the Savage Lands because the Savage Lands is kind of like, I guess, Mm -hmm. more or less dead in the center of uh, the continental United States. And the belief is that um, 
people don't live outside of the border of that place. And it's not totally clear if like what happened if yeah. it was some kind of like uh, epidemic or war or devastation of some other way. But people even in the <laughs> Savage Lands are like, we're the only ones left right. on this continent. And the director is like, no, no, I, I know that there are other people. And John is like, <laughs> do you know that? Or are you just saying that because you want me to get out of here? And uh, the director is like, good question, man. You got me. Um, and then... Whoa, yeah. Uh, some, and I don't even totally know how John makes this connection. But all of a sudden, he's like, you're my father, aren't you? And, and then the director basically mm, immediately mm -hmm. breaks down and says, yes, I am. And, and ultimately, we're meant to understand that that's the reason why he wants John out of there, because it re reveals, in a sense, the director's own crimes as well. Um, because what the director says happened is that he and John's mom, who was played by Demi Moore in the earlier episodes, had gone to the Savage Lands together like as a vacation, um, and that part of the problem was that the two of them had started... Um, this monogamous relationship, which is, of course, prohibited. Mm -hmm. And because no one is encouraged or told anything about monogamous relationships, they discovered while she's in the Savage Lands that she has gotten pregnant. And I, I feel like I remember the director saying, like, no one told us that could happen. Yikes. <laughs> like, They've been uh, failed on a very basic level. Which is weird because, like, in the first episode, there's a very intense, um, but, like, intense and yet still PG um, orgy scene. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. It's weird to say, like, intense and yet PG. Yeah, and <laughs> also the word orgy. All in one sentence um, is a lot. That's the only... Because, like, all I can say is, like, there's nothing... Like, you do see some boobs, so maybe it's more like PG-13, but it's, like... Not super graphic, in my opinion. Um, but I'll take your word for it. I don't I'll, know that I'll go back and watch it. <laughs> no, I, I definitely not. It's not sexy enough to be like, I'll make an effort to go back and watch that. <laughs> um, but basically, what to, to me is surprising is like, if you've got this world and this society where everyone is supposed to be encouraged to engage with those kinds of forms of like sexual behavior so freely... And yet someone doesn't know how pregnancy happens? Yeah. Like, I, how does that fit That's together? That's a misstep. <laughs> That's a big I know. Misstep. I just, I don't know. But anyway, um, in the case of the director and John's mother, she gets pregnant. Um, they don't really know how to handle that information. And they don't want to tell anyone about it because it is a crime. So, so basically, John's dad just like is like, peace out, I'm leaving. And um, John's mom remains in the Savage Lands because she's like, I'm so ashamed of what has happened. I can't go back to my society. And, and basically, no one will know. I'll just stay here and no one will mm -hmm. know. Um, so that's how John ends up in the Savage Lands. And that's also how he can get across the barrier, which is how he ends up in New London anyway okay 
Um, so this is a big reveal, uh, and I'm sure it would feel like a bigger reveal if we watched the previous three episodes. Um, and then John, unsurprisingly, is extremely angry with his father, and for some reason, his father, like, arranged to have this secret jet taking him back to the Savage Land to meet them, like, right on the edge of a cliff. (laughs) That was poor planning again. I don't totally get why that was the place to do it. Not smart. Um, But so then what happens in their scuffle? He gets pushed the hell off. (laughs) (laughs) Correct. So there goes that guy. Um, And so meanwhile, we're back onto what Bernard is doing. And Bernard has now come to Henry, who is the former love of Lenina. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's talking to him about the fact that John's eye implant and the director's eye implant match. And Henry is like, I don't know what you're... Dude, this is like nutso, and I don't believe this. Henry is very much, I think, meant to be kind of like the staunchest believer in the system's perfection. Mm-hmm. Um, and ultimately, he's like, this is not really real. This is some weird thing that you've cooked up, and I don't know what the, what's the matter with you. Um... Meanwhile, uh, after having accidentally killed the father he just learned was alive, um, John is, like, running through this community yet again, (laughs) uh, freaking out, somehow also trying to hide, not really sure where he's going, um, and he ends up in a different orgy, in a different part of town, and he's (laughs) freaking out. Oh, man, this world is weird. (laughs) Um, He's freaking out, and no one in this group of, like, you know, at least 50 people, not one person is, like, trying to help him. They're all just staring at him. Mm -hmm. Um, And because they're staring at him with their eye implants, um, his face is now being broadcast all over kind of, like, the cloud network all over Indra. So Bernard then sees where John is finally. And so he goes off to collect him from this place. Um, And the kind of last little bit is Lenina feels compelled by her various experiences of the day to go to Henry's home. I mean, people still do have like their own, apartments it seems like if you're an Mm -hmm. alpha which henry is yeah you're allowed your own apartment um and so lenina comes over and is basically like uh i want to go back to having a monogamous relationship with you and he seems to be into that um (laughs) and then the final scenes our John is now returned back. He's back kind of uh, under control of Bernard. And John is like in the crematorium room with the body of his mother again before it's going to be cremated. Mm-hmm. Um, Mustafa and Bernard are again talking about him. And um, Mustafa believes that John has been sent or has been brought to New London on purpose Mm -hmm. um basically that he symbolizes a test 
for the Indra system and for the social body of New London generally. Mm-hmm. Um, and and like to hear talk about it, it's almost like um, how people talk about the immune system, mm-hmm. right? Like that if you get infected, then you want like a strong immune response, right? Mm-hmm. And that once you get that strong response your immune system is strengthened by it, right? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how she perceives John's arrival, that it's going to be a disruption initially, but Indra's system is so perfect and their social body is so strong and like well-integrated that when the disruption ends of his presence, it will be stronger than ever before, right? Like that's her take on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and... But this is already seeming like um, perhaps that is not the outcome because both Bernard and Mustafa are also talking about the fact that the director died because of a fall. Um, and there's and in the pilot episodes, a different character dies in a fall. And what's also very clear is that in this Indra system where everyone is supposed to be working together, like if the social body, like if every individual person is like a little tiny bacteria or a little organism that's part of the larger organism of the social body Mm -hmm. in that world murder and suicide don't exist Mm -hmm. crimes or like violent crimes in particular like just don't because it's like that doesn't make sense in if we're all working together yeah part of a larger thing um so something tells me that's going to turn into a problem yeah as time goes on. I see some potential um, issues. And the final last, like, maybe minute is that um, I guess we have to assume that then John's mom gets cremated and then Bernard and John are back in the elevator again and maybe they're heading home. I'm not totally sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, after the day that John has had, Bernard offers him a soma and John takes it and he swallows it. And that's why I think the episode is called Swallow. Because it's oh. about like, like he has to be exposed to the terrors of this world mm. from his perspective. Yeah. And then eventually it's like, I can't deal with this. Yeah. And so I'm going to take this pill and then I won't maybe care about it yeah. as much. That makes sense. Um, and that's it. That's it, man. I mean... No offense, but I understand why this show was... I know we talked about why it might have been canceled. <laughs> but it, I just found it, like, a, a little bit of a snooze fest for me. Like, it wasn't the worst thing yeah. we've watched, but it just was sort of uninteresting, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, it certainly piqued my interest in the book. Mm-hmm. But... I, I mean, I don't know if that's the point of a show yeah. is to be like, hmm, maybe I should read this book. Yeah. Like, um, like, yeah, I would say it seemed to me very kind of middle of the road, maybe, of the stuff that we've seen. Like, not super edgy, by not at all, in fact. Um, yeah. And, and not super boring, necessarily, but like, you know, not... Not super engaging. Yeah, either. it really just it's like, like really yeah. middle of the road. Like I, and this is not like so out of character for me. But like I fell asleep in the middle of it and had to like 
wake wake <laughs> back up and I like I I pondered watching it again because when I thought about it I was like I really don't know what happened but then I was like nah Sarah will tell me I'll figure it out because um, so, I just like couldn't even be bothered to try it again um, yeah yeah I mean I don't get me wrong I like a calming quiet feeling yeah. napping show yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and that's of any genre. Like, it's fine if it's sci-fi and it's a sleeping show. Yeah. That's totally fine. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess my feeling, and like we had a little bit of a break, so now it's harder for me to remember exactly how I felt when I was watching it, but it was a bit like I put this on, some time passed, <laughs> and then it was over. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's like a great way to describe it. And that's not a great, like, that's not a ringing endorsement, you know? And, like, to me, the idea of a napping show, it, what constitutes a napping show for me, it should not be something that I've never seen before, right? Like, so the things that I like True. to nap to are <laughs> things that I've seen a billion times. So I'm not concerned with the story because I know what happens and I don't need to see it. Um yeah. That's what I like. A napping show where you've never seen it before means it's a boring show. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it's just like a yeah, it's like a very. I don't. I don't know. Maybe it was even just this particular episode. Yeah. But, you know, I watched the pilot too. It just had a feeling of low stakes. Yeah. Somehow, um, maybe things pick up later in the season. I'm not totally sure, but. Again, maybe it's also just a function of the world that it's depicting yeah. feels weirdly low stakes somehow, too. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, honestly, like, I, I feel like this is the epitome of, like, the show. Like, I saw two different orgy scenes in two episodes. So that's one orgy per episode. <clears throat> and... Both times, I was just like, eh. I could have been watching, like, literally any, like, any other type of thing and had the same non-reaction. And like, that's just saying like, something. I mean, to uh, be, like, completely <laughs> nonplussed by an orgy scene is, like, pretty, that means it's pretty boring, I feel like. <laughs> Even if... It's, it's, I don't know, it's just, like, such a, like... I don't know. Yeah. I, like, it's a weird energy that I get from this show. Yeah. Um, and the energy is no I energy. <laughs> right, 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 right. I mean, and I can't, I mean, I suppose if you wanted to watch it just to see what we're talking about, then give that's it a try. The, that's the recommendation. Um, if you want to see the boring, <laughs> go ahead, be my guest. But I'm not actually going to um, recommend it. No, I'm not, I, which is too bad. I'm like, I, the thing is, is like, it's I think. It's already canceled. Who cares? My, no, my impression is, is that the, what I was going to say is that my impression is that the book is interesting or the book is compelling in some mm -hmm. way because it has inspired a lot of other similar types of stories, right? Mm -hmm. So like, there's probably something in there that's interesting and cool. And so it's just kind of too bad that the screen rendering of it somehow, I, it seems like it just doesn't have that, mm -hmm. right? Like, I mean, that happens. Sometimes the book is better than the movie or the yeah. show. But 
um, this seems to be like that's a real like this one seems like it's a good example of that situation that the book gets things going in such a way that the at least this version of it didn't manage to do yeah so, yeah anyway just to round this discussion out let's do our usual yawns and eye yep. rolls um yawns this is going to be a tough one uh one yawn is this wasn't boring at all Uh-oh. And ten exactly. And ten yawns is this was perhaps one of the most boring things we've watched on this podcast. What would you? Oh, hmm. Well, I'm not sure if it was the most boring. So, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say like nine. I'm gonna give it a nine. I was pretty bored. Yeah. But I but I would but I but yeah, I would leave I, a little room for you know possibly sure, more boring. Sure. Something worse than this. Um, Yeah, I think I'm in agreement with you on nine because, and particularly like with the addition of for this podcast, um, because we've watched things that I've found not entertaining or not for me or um, too much or too something. Um, But I do think that this is very close to like the most boring yeah and especially for like 40 minutes for like for me generally i can make it generally yeah. i can make it through the episodes like i fall asleep through a lot of like <laughs> I, I like i fall asleep in a lot of movies that's not that's not really a lot of the movies right fault. but sure, like 41 sure. minutes if i need to take like a power nap for that yeah, that's pretty this wasn't, bad this wasn't even like i remember this i remember when i started being like oh this is even kind of short for an episode like it is almost like 40 41 minutes like it's quite I still did find myself looking at how much time was left every 10 minutes but like and yeah yeah so this yeah this is a a uniquely boring one for us (laughs) um and in terms of eye rolls one eye roll is you know uh this is pretty much what you might expect out of science fiction and 10 eye rolls is like, woo, I couldn't buy into this world at all. Too kind of out there. What would you give it? I feel like, uh, I would say, I think I'm going to say like three because I don't think it was, I, again, I don't know much about science fiction, but I didn't think it was like un, an unbelievable world they set up necessarily. Uh, it's a bleak kind of world and a world I don't really want to live in, but I don't think it's like so out of the norm, especially for the, the genre. Um, yeah, I would say three. Yeah, I think I agree with you on that as well because, like, yeah, there's nothing as depicted here that is, like, a real kind of leap or head scratcher yeah. in any way. Um, and especially... Like, if anything, the stuff about having, like, some sort of, um, bio, like, bio interface Mm -hmm. with, like, a larger cloud Mm -hmm. or Wi-Fi or whatever, um, I think that we're not even probably that far from such a thing. You Um, know, one thing we didn't talk about really quick, like, because I know, like, but we didn't, we haven't done hair talk in a long time. And I was a little bit oh, taken okay. with, um, it, Lenina is the redheaded one, right? 
I was yes. I was a little taken with her hairstyle she had because it's it was very futury in oh, the, the the pony the ponytail situation thing. because it was very futury in the fact that it was like weird and I feel like they always try to make the hair look kind of weird for the future but also it was a little sure. reminiscent of like a style I remember from our childhood and I don't know if I'm making this up but there used to be s- yeah the multiple hair in your tie ponytail sort of French braid yeah. ponytail yeah. thing. Yes, I know exactly what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, and, and I thought the same. And it didn't look like, terrible I, I on did her. That hair yeah, style. It, it was like super weird, but at the same time, it kind of worked on her. Um, so yeah. I just wanted to mention that as a little like shout out to hair. <laughs> yeah, no, I I'm glad you did mention that because it's been like I would have remembered that if we had done this in our usual time frame, but um, some of those more like aesthetic choices have yeah left that was the only one i could remember that was like interesting so i can't say that we recommend (laughs) this show but if i mean as always if if any of this has piqued your interest and you want to look at it for some time (laughs) then definitely go for it do that there's nothing wrong with giving it a try (laughs) we Um, can't stop you but we warned you there are two orgies and they're both boring so like that is up to you yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. I don't. <laughs> what what can, what more can be said? That's all I know. Um, but I mean, I guess it gave us some content to consider <laughs> this week. True. So there's that. True. Um. So anyway, thank you, Amy. It has been a pleasure. I am Sarah, and as always, we will see you next week. In space. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of See You Next Week in Space. This is a production by Amy and Sarah Walsh with artwork provided by Riley Brown. If you'd like to learn more about our show, please check us out at seeyounextweekinspace.com or follow us on Instagram at seeyounextweekinspace. Until the next one.